0: You are listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, a weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. This is the second episode about visualization, and we are talking about how you get to a good visualization. So, If you're listening this episode and you haven't listened to last week's episode, I would recommend you hit pause, go back to your podcast player and uh, first listen to the episode last week where we talk about lots of the often overlooked basics of visualization. In today's episode, we'll go a little bit more into visualization as visualization is one of the core themes this year of this podcast. And if you have actually missed the first webinar of the newly formed visualization special interest group, then check out the visualization special interest group homepage on the psiweb.org homepage. And there you can find much more information and you can also have a look in the article about the uh, wonderful Wednesdays, which is actually about helping you to create better visualizations on my LinkedIn page. And hopefully by the time this goes live, we'll also have much more info information out there on the PSI homepage. So just go there and check these things out. If you like, Listening to this podcast, please tell your colleagues about it. There's so much free content here. We have now far more than 100 episodes across a variety of topics. And there will be lots of interesting podcast episodes coming up. So send an email to your community, send an email to your department, whatever, and inform them about this podcast thanks for hanging in here with me and um, you'll have a lot of fun uh, listening to this uh, episode today. There's a lot of very, very good information. This podcast is produced in association with PSI, a community dedicated to leading and promoting the use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. Join PSI today. It's really, really, really affordable. It's just £20 for non-high-income countries and £95 for high-income countries, which is actually about the same amount of money in dollars or euros. You can then develop your statistical capabilities with a lot of content, like the video-on-demand content library, the free registration to all PSI webinars, reduced rates to events, and much, much more. Visit the PSI website at psiweb.org to learn more about PSI activities and become a PSI member today. In this second episode about visualization, let's talk a little bit about how you actually get to a good visualization. Now we all know how we get to a good table. We basically lay it out in a word or whatsoever, or we just take the standard one, and then we say what kind of numbers we want to have it, where these numbers are coming from, how they are calculated. Then we have our processes to get to a validated um, program. Very, very easy. Well, it's not that easy, but it's pretty straightforward and linear for good visualizations you don't know exactly how the visualization will look like. You don't know how different features of the visualization, how will they interact with each other. And there's so many details that you can think about. You can think about which kind of lines do you want to have? Do you want to have certain grid lines? Where do you put the legend exactly? Is it, you know, couple of centimeters more left or right or up and down. How big, you know, how how thick does the lines need to be? Do you have the right colours and there's the right shades of the different colors? There's so many details. And then the data itself, how are there any outliers that you need to take care of in your in your visualizations? Are there any distracting parts in your visualization is you know if you have let's say a scatter plot for example dots big enough or are they too big yeah so that you can't see anything anymore there's so many details that it's really really difficult to specify them all and so you'll pretty much inevitably always have a iterative process to get to it and the other point is you need to take care of the audience like I already talked about in the last episode is you need to make sure that the audience gets it and what I can highly recommend is that you co-create your visualization together with the audience so for example, you have a slide set for a really, really important study that you want to widely communicate across the world, with lots of lots of key opinion leader engagement and whatsoever. Then it probably makes sense that you co-create it together with some key opinion leaders, that you get them, you know probably not 10 or 20, but maybe two or three, get them in a room, go through all this uh, data and review how you can best visualize it. And then work from there and and test it again in in further review rounds with uh, other key opinion leaders and refine it and refine it. So that's really important. And you know, these testing and refinement Also, can help you for um, certain standard analysis that you do again and again and again. So let's say trial level safety analysis that you do repeatedly again across different studies and also within the study. If you have already you know some things that you have started, test it. Test it with different uh, participants, different physicians that look into it and understand how you can refine it, improve it. Now, if you want to have this iterative approach, and I think you must have it, you probably need a little bit of some additional source on how you work through your processes. So, the process that you document everything, that you validate everything, every single step before you show it to someone else, you run through everything, that's probably too cumbersome, too expensive, and most likely not needed. So, have a thought about how you validate things. Does every iteration really needs To be completely validated, documented and everything, especially at the beginning, I would encourage you to have a really, really fast turnaround. And there, I'm not even starting to directly program with stuff. The first thing that I do is I take very, very simple tools, a pen and a paper, or maybe a couple of colored pens, and develop something fast together. And you know that also helps you to scrap ideas to discard ideas very very easily, and you can just spend a little bit more paper and go very very fast through a couple of different uh, sketches and with that, you have you learn very very fast and you can try lots of different graphic rule approaches really really fast and independent of knowing how to get to it with your specific software you're using. So you're not limited by how good you are in programming in R or using any other tool. You're only limited by your imagination. And that's if you haven't worked in visualization probably also a limitation because there's so many possibilities out there. So spend time looking around what others have done, what are kind of, you know, nice visualizations. I'm always on the lookout for new and better ways to uh, display data and the more visualizations you have in your toolbox, the more likely is that you get a really good one. It's the same with all the statistical analysis. If you only know a t-test, well, everything is continuous somehow. So, um, if you only know bar charts and line graphs, hmm, maybe not the best way. Yeah. So, look for galleries like the uh, D3 gallery or other uh, resources that I mentioned in the last episode, and expand the different presentations and learn more about different designs that you can use. Now, when you look into these first iterations, look specifically about what color you wanna use, which colors you wanna use, what are the titles that you wanna put there. I always recommend to have a title that actually gives you the key takeaway, not just disposition. Or baseline demographics, but it could be high level of retention that you see in the disposition or typical phase 3 study population for the therapeutic area as a general you know, description of the baseline characteristics. I think it's a missed opportunity if we just put there these rather generic tables, uh, titles. Then think about where do you need labels, where do you need legends. Also what's really important is how do you want to align things. So think about all these different parts in your visualization. So the title, the legends, the labels, the axes, the bars, the lines and all these kind of different things. The footnotes supporting text all these elements how you can arrange them on a so to say grid that you need as few visual lines yeah that's not really there but kind of lines that just get there because you order the different elements along a line and that they're actually aligned in such a way that you don't have so many lines. Yeah, so so don't try to you know center everything, but uh you know write a line or left align certain elements. What footnotes do you need? Do you need footnotes? Is there any supporting text that you need? Think about these aspects of your visualization as well. If you have a dashboard then there's a couple of further things you need to uh, think about. What kind of filtering options do you want? What kind of sorting options do you want? How do you arrange all the different multiple displays? If you think about multiple displays in a, in a dashboard it usually makes sense to order them according to the importance. And you start with the most important one in the top left corner then you go to the top right corner, then you go to the bottom left, and then to the bottom right. So it follows this Z um, pattern, and that's because that is how we read, that is how we are trained to receive information. So people usually first look to the top left. So the main and most important part needs to be there. And then there's also graphical user interface design features that you need to think about is where are always filters for example or you know uh, legends or where are always different other ways I interact with the data they should be always in the same place. And if you look into a couple of these good dashboard tools you know you will see that certain ways how you interact with the data are always on the top right or bottom left or whatever. It's always in the same place so it's much much easier to interact with the tool. Also if you have a dashboard maybe you want to have some highlighting options there so that you can see the same patients across different displays for example. Or maybe you want to have some hover-over options that you see. Okay, that's maybe the patient number XYZ. Or that is additional baseline demographics for that patient. Or you want to see how many patients are in that subgroup that you are uh, hovering over. Or maybe you want to have some options to dig deeper into the data. So that's another couple of things you need to think about. Now. An important part when you develop these visualizations is feedback. I already talked about in the last episode that you only get to a good visualization if you have clear goals. And if you don't have these clear goals you will get conflicting feedback. So, For one person, maybe the onset of action is really important and he gives you feedback in terms of how you can better display that. Another person thinks, well, the robustness and long-term outcomes here are the most important. So they will give you feedback that highlights that part. And maybe there's another person that thinks, well, I think this endpoint needs to be more emphasized. And another person that thinks, Uh, That subgroup needs to be more emphasized. If you're not clear on the goal, if you don't have a clear story that you wanna tell, then you'll get that conflicting feedback. So it's really important that you first define your goal clearly. And the goal is not, we wanna show the primary endpoint. The goal would be, we wanna show how the primary endpoint plays out between the different treatments in the first two weeks with this specific analysis approach, and we wanna emphasize the difference in these kind of areas. That's something, that is, that is a, a story. That needs to be clear first, otherwise I've seen teams going in circles and circles and circles, not really moving forward because of this conflicting feedback. So, it's also good if you have some experts on visualization that helps you out with that. If you don't have someone in your company, maybe it makes sense to, you know, buy a consultant that's expert in visualization. If you're a bigger company, probably you have some people that are known for doing good visualizations. Find these and explain what you want to do. And maybe they have a really, really nice idea because they have seen much more visualizations and they come up with a really innovative way to show the data. In terms of innovation, that's actually a quite interesting part here. So innovative ways to show the data raise the engagement level of the audience. They make the audience to look closer into the data, to interact more with the data, but sometimes maybe you don't have the time for that. And then it's maybe better to just show the data to the audience like the audience is used to seeing the data. So there's a trade off between these different things. Do you have something, do you want to have something that is engaging where the audience spends a lot of time with the data? Or do you want to have something where well, the message is very, very clear and very, very short and maybe then just the bar graph or the line graph that the audience is used to see, just use that. As we're talking about feedback, I think for especially for reusable graphs, it's good to have some feedback algorithm built into the system, yeah? So that you can, for example, trace what kind of graphs are used? What kind of features are used in terms of filtering, sorting, things like that? If you can build that into the system, that will help you to understand what's used, what's not used. Who is using Yeah, Can you build that into the system? Do you, can, and then you can also have surveys for these users. What do they like? What don't they like? What other features they would like to have? What features are more distraction? Uh, You know, if you have these dashboards, there's always this trade off between simplicity, but then you don't have a lot of features, or lots of lots of possibilities, but then it becomes really complex. And finding this balance is really difficult, and of course, it depends on the users. Do you have some power users? You know, do you see that there's certain people that use it all the time? Maybe you can make them advocates and they're probably a very very good source for getting feedback because they know the tool inside out. Can you create some subject matter experts out of that? So that's really really good. And of course here's a great opportunity to go beyond just your clinical data. Are there other data sources that your team would really benefit from? Is it, for example, resource planning data? Is it financial data? Is it operational data like study data quality, recruitment data? These kind of things. So, visualization, becoming good in visualization, could be your way of entering completely other fields in your organization where you can add a lot of value beyond just your clinical data or your real world data. So have a thought out about that and think about what you can do to help your organization beyond your clinical data. That's also you know related to a discussion I had with Steve Pike. Um, some time ago. It's an interview with him that is um, about all the other problems that we can solve as statisticians beyond just the clinical uh, problems. Okay, speaking about feedback, we will talk in the next episode a lot about how you can actually improve your visualization and what are some features you should have a look into. So, up to then, have a nice time and talk to you soon again next week. This show was created in association with PSI. Thanks to Rain who helps with the show in the background and reduces lots of burden for me. And thank you for listening. Please visit theeffectivestatistician.com to find the show notes and learn more about this podcast to boost your career as a statistician in the health sector. And it cannot only help you, it can help your colleagues as well. So please be a nice colleague and get that information to your colleagues as well. Reach your potential lead great science and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician.